So, um, as I'm kicking off the series on the Psalms, I thought I would give a little bit of a background to the Psalms and what they are. So, the Psalms are um, a collection of songs. They're a collection of Hebrew hymns um, that the Israelites would sing. So, they were written to be sung. Um, And I've just noted a a few things. I didn't want to go into too much detail, but noted a few things about the Psalms. They speak to God and they are about God. And they help us to express ourselves to God and consider his ways. Um, They're often poorly understood and not always easy to apply in our world. Um, Some of you might find. And that's because... um, You need to understand that psalms are actually poems. They are um, poetic language. And um, one one of the things about that is that phrases might sometimes repeat themselves. Well, if you think about the choruses we've sung this morning, we often repeat lines in choruses several times. And that's because, that's because it's a song. And it's the same with the psalms. It's called synonymous parallelism. That's the only long word I'm going to do today. (laughs) Um, And the language is meant to be metaphorical. So we're not really sheep. God's not really a shepherd. That's that's a metaphor to help us to understand his character. Um, And each type of psalm has its own structure. Um... And they're they're meant to serve the function of making the connection between the worshipper and God. Many of them were intended for corporate use. And each was constructed independently. And therefore, each has a meaning of their own. But they have actually been ordered and grouped in a structured way. Um, So there is divided into five books. um, And depending on their structure, and each, each book has... Each of the psalms within that book ends in a in a in the same way. If you see what I mean. Um, so it concludes with a similar ending. And um, there are different types of psalm, as you'll know. So there are laments. So there are times when um, the psalmist is pouring their heart out to God about how everything is not right. Um, And there are thanksgiving psalms and there are praise hymns. There are psalms that talk about the Israelites' history um, and they praise God for him bringing them through and saving them. And um, there are celebration psalms and there are wisdom psalms. Um, David wrote almost half of the psalms um, and others were songs of Asaph and sons sons of Korah. Um, Moses wrote one of them. I think, I think it was Psalm 90, was it? Check on that one. That Moses wrote. And Solomon wrote one as well. At least one. Um, so that's just a bit of a background about Psalms. They're meant to engage our emotions. They are meant to engage our emotions. It's about relationship with God. It's not just about our intellect. And they serve us as a guide to worship, and they demonstrate how we can relate honestly to God, 
David is very honest with God, and it's okay to be real and honest with God. And they also demonstrate the importance of reflecting and meditating on the things that God has done for us. Um, The main overall emphasis of the Psalms are trust in and praise to Yahweh um, for his goodness. That's um, the word that the Hebrews used for God. Um, And there is lament of wickedness and injustice. Yahweh is king. Um, It's about God's covenant people, Israel. Um, And Zion as the special place of Yahweh's presence on earth. So I just wanted to... I wanted to focus on Psalm 18. As soon as I... um, was asked or volunteered to speak. Um, Psalm 18 is one of the psalms that I have always loved. Um, And it's the first one I would say as a child that God gave to me. Um, God um, prompted me to read Psalm 18. I'd never read it before. And then I read it. And so it's always been a little bit special to me in my praise to God. It's a psalm of David... And it's about when God delivered him from the hand of his enemies and the hand of Saul. And it can also be found in 2 Samuel, verse 22, almost word for word, except for the very beginning and the end. Um, I think there's time to read some of it. So I'm not going to read all of it. There are 50 verses. Um, But I'm going to read... The first, pretty much, um, to 35, um, and ask that you would read the rest in your own time. So, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge. He is my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise, and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death entangled me. The torrents of destruction overwhelmed me. The cords of the grave coiled around me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. and My cry came before him into his ears. The earth trembled and quaked and the foundations of the mountain shook. They trembled because he was angry. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire came from his mouth. Burning coals blazed out of it. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, clouds advanced with hailstones and bolts of lightning. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemies, great bolts of lightning, and and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of breath from your nostrils. 
He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. They confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. The Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has rewarded me, for I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not done evil by turning from my God. All his laws are before me. I have not turned away from his decrees. I have been blameless before him and have kept myself from sin. The Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To the blameless, you show yourself blameless. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. And with your help, I can advance against a troop. With my God, I can scale a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and he enables me to stand on the heights. He trains my hands for battle. My arms can bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. So the... the psalm can be divided into three main parts. The Lord's deliverance of David from his enemies, moral grounds for the Lord's saving help. So in verse 20, the Lord has dealt with me according to my righteousness, and I'll talk about that in a a bit. And the Lord's help recounted. So a typical structure of a lot of psalms is to start with praising God and thanking God for things. And then comes often a lament or all the troubles and then questions often and then it comes back to God. So there's a lot in that psalm and um, there's a lot of things that perhaps we might not understand how they relate to us today. For David... It was literal. (laughs) David was literally fleeing his enemies and hiding under rocks (laughs) in the the desert. Um, And he often used that analogy to describe God as the same as a refuge, but that true security is found only in God. He describes God as his shield, his protector. Um... And he talks about God um, in his temple, and he's referring to heaven. Um, He talks about the covenant of the Lord. Well, it's all about the covenant of the Lord that God promises, if you shall walk in his ways, you will be blessed. Psalm 1 starts with that. um, that Psalm 1 sort of lays the precedent of that. 
that um, it's the man whose walk is blameless, who walks before God, is blessed, not so the wicked. And Psalm 18, is, that's reflected in there as well. So for David, I mean, in this country, we're not fleeing literally the enemy from attacks. Um, so, but, but we can relate it in other ways. So I just thought that I would lay out some ways that can relate to us. Number one, we need to worship out of our circumstances. Um, We're in a love relationship with God that requires us to tell God that we love him. I love this psalm because David starts by saying, I love you, Lord. And apparently um, the word he uses there is an unusual um, Hebrew word um, for an unusual Hebrew expression that emphasizes the fervor of David's love for God. David was in a relationship with God. He understood God loved him and he needed to tell God that he loved God. Um, And that's what it's about to be in a relationship with God. Um, It's not just understanding that God loves us. We need to tell God that we love him. This is David's response to God out of his love and relationship. Out of a difficult time, David acknowledges that it's not his strength, but God's. David could have thought, oh, I'm pretty good. (laughs) Got out of that one. Um, But he he absolutely understood that it's not his strength, but God's. He's totally dependent on God. Worship is a humbling thing. Worship is saying, actually, God, it's all you. And I'm totally and utterly dependent on you and your love. And I need you, God. So our prayers um, should begin and end in worship and, and praise and worship and thanking God, no matter what's in the middle. And it is okay to give God the stuff in the middle. (laughs) It's better to do that than to just dwell in self-pity and moan. It's better to take it to God because God understands and God has the answers. So number one is worship out of our circumstances. Number two is we're in a spiritual battle which we can't win on our own. So we're not, as David, literally fleeing the enemy, but we are in a spiritual battle, and we need to recognize that. Um, Ephesians 6, verse 11, talks about the armor of God. Um, Let's turn to that a minute. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. So we are in a spiritual battle. We can't rely on our own strength. We need to get wise 
to the enemy's schemes, um, that he will try and bring you down. He will try and trip you up. He will try and steer you away from God's presence. But that's why worship is so powerful. Worship is a powerful weapon because when we're worshiping, it's us and God, and no one can get in the way of that. No, nobody can separate us from God. So I don't know, even that is quite hard to unpack, isn't it? What does it mean to put on the full armor of God every morning? And I think it's something that, in a sense, we need to work out individually between us and God. But there are things like understanding the word of God, knowing who we are in God, um, the belt of truth, you know, the shield of faith, um, and the scripture that we can speak out to um, as, as a spiritual weapon. And actually, that's what the, the Psalms are songs. People sing songs so that they can remember the word of God. I mean, I remember, I know scripture verses off by heart often because they're in a song. Um, it's easier to remember the word of God when we sing it. So it's so important that we do sing these songs and psalms and hymns. So worship puts God in his rightful place and it ministers to God. It's a love song. It's giving yourself in intimate communion with him. Verse 3 says, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I'm saved from my enemies. When we call to God, he answers. Not always in a way that we expect not always, but he does answer. And we have a room full of people who, if you don't know God, we have a room full of people who have already testified, some of them, to God's goodness. And we all carry a testimony of God's goodness and faithfulness to us to, um, to help you understand um, that God is alive and real. God is a God of justice, and he hates injustice. It talks in this psalm about God being angry. Um, Things that anger us often angers God too. He hates the injustice in this world. Um, And that's why it's our responsibility to pray and to to pray. Um, and just on that point as well, when God rescues us, he sets us free from the things that entangle us. So verse 19, he brought me into a spacious place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. When we worship, God sets us free. He sets us free from those worries and anxieties. Rich's word this morning and Nick's word was, you know, all you have to do is come to God. It's really simple. It's just that simple that God, it's nothing to do with our goodness. It's nothing to do with our strength. It's God. And that was point number three. So remember who you are and who God is. 
Um, Psalm 1, like I said, it sets the basic theological principle that God blesses those who delight in the law and thus commit themselves to covenant loyalty, while the opposite prevails for the wicked. That can sound quite heavy sometimes, can't it? If I follow a set of rules, then I'll be all right, but if I don't... Well, that's what it was like for the Israelites. But... um, It's different for us because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And um, when Jesus died on the cross, when we give our lives to him, he he cleans us completely. He um, purifies us. He sets you free from the sin that previously entangled you. And you are clean. And when the heavenly Father, Jesus made a way for us to come before the heavenly Father. And when we come before him, the heavenly Father sees us pure and holy, just, just like Jesus. It's true. So we are righteous and we are clean before God. And we, you know, we might, we might sin, but then we come before God and we repent and then we're clean again and it's okay. So he brings us out into a spacious place. And righteousness comes from devoting ourselves to God. It's not about being self-righteous. It's not about... David recognized that. David recognized that it wasn't because he perfectly followed the law of God. He recognized that it was God's help. He needed God's help in order to do that in the first place. Um, It's about honest integrity and maintaining our relationship with God. Ephesians 2... I've lost it now. Sorry. Verse 4. Because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. We are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. And that is the perspective that we need to walk through the days in. As Rich said, those that have been on Transform, your minds have been transformed a little bit more during this last week. And you need to carry on living in that through the, through, you know, the next week and remember who you are in God. Thank you, God. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Ephesians 4, it says, be made new in the attitude of your mind. 
and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So there's a, there's a perspective that we need. When you give your life to God, you start a whole new journey and a whole new life. And it's eternal life. And it's about having that eternal perspective, isn't it? So, I mean, I'm, I'm living this too. <laughs> I want to learn more and more every day to live in that perspective, to understand who I am, who God is, and to um, live in a, a place of worship with him, um, knowing that um, my life is, is hid in, in him, um, to be, for God to be a refuge for us. That, that kind of goes against the flow a little bit in this culture where, where we're meant to stand, you know, stand up for ourselves. And, but actually, sometimes it's okay just to hide in God. What the kids are doing is they're saying, God is a safe place to hide. Sometimes it's okay just to come to God and say, God, I can't, I can't do this. I can't handle this. Um, let me just hide in you right now, in your presence. I give it to you. That's okay. It's good to do that because he's the one that fights for us. It's a spiritual battle that we're in. So just practical application of the of the psalms in our lives are um, it's good to reflect it's good to reflect on the good things that God's done for us corporately for you personally and for your family talk to your families about it what's God done for us thank you God have a have a heart that's thankful um Worship, let worship be your response to difficult situations and circumstances. Worship has a positive effect on our mental and physical health, apparently. It's, science tells us as well. Um, because it takes us off of our own problems and circumstances and it fixes our eyes on God. Be honest before God. It's okay to lament before God. It's actually really cathartic to either, if you like, writing it down or shouting it out to God. It's okay to say, but God, all these things are not right yet. What are you going to (laughs) do? You know, it's good to be honest before God. And be set free. (laughs) Be set free. Understand the freedom of God and his presence and that he um, is a God who loves you personally, and he wants a relationship with you. He wants to talk with you. He wants you to worship him. That's really all I was going to say. Um, I think it would be good to respond... Um, particularly to Rich's word and Nick's word as well. Um, I think there's a response that we all need to do as individuals and go home and um, start practicing that, that kind of spiritual pattern of 
a psalm of, you can write your own psalm to God. You can um, use the psalms themselves and work through. Um, Work with your families if you have families and talk to your children about God and the good things that God is doing in your lives.